Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome to Monday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host, Tony Anderson, and on this fair evening, I am joined by my friend Ewan Taylor. Hello, Ewan. Hello, Tony. Hello, hello. And fresh from a meeting from the television show, Mr. Bobby Borthwick. Hi, Robert. Hello, Tony. How you doing? This is this is good. Got hands hands across the M8 as your guests. Uh, <laughs> Indeed. That's, that's good. Thanks for joining us, Robert. I know you must have had a long day with work, straight at that meeting, then straight into this. I mean, that is that is a Scottish football overload, surely. Is, but that's that's the sort of dedication that you get from uh, professional podcasters and broadcasters like myself, Tony. So uh, that, that's that's just what you get when I'm in, when when I'm here, when I'm in town. Were you working at the weekend, or did you just get to go to the game as a as a fan? No, I was working. Um, I can't remember the last time I went to a game as a uh, Florence was the last time I went to a game as a fan. I think. Oh, and that's why you enjoyed it so much. I saw you tweet and um, chat about that the other day. Oh, actually, do you know what, Tony? It's that's not true. I was at the, the recent Edinburgh derby as a fan. Um, there you go. So I'm, just I'm sure you enjoyed back that. Up. <laughs> yes, yeah, so what I did there was I occasionally lied about Florence to then uh, big up the point of bringing up the Edinburgh Derby, because I think <laughs> that marked a lot better. He knows, um, he knows exactly. He knows how to noise up Hibs fans. It's one thing Robert Borthwick's got. Um, even even when I, he doesn't know what I'm going to talk about, he still knows how to angle it. And that is his listen, superpower. You, it's, uh, you, you're born with ability like that. That's, that's it. <laughs> right. So, as always, on a Monday, we are going to talk about the weekend's football. We've seen... Five of the games this week, we did miss one, but we've done plenty of research on it, so don't worry, Aberdeen fans. And that is where we're going to start. I mean, 
you and where are we now with with Motherwell? What, what, I mean, what can you say? I mean, you've got it's always the most worrying thing when two teams come up against each other who are in like the worst form, death spirals, and then one just completely turns the other one over. I mean, are we are we talking seriously about saying goodbye to Motherwell Football Club from the top flight? <laughs> yeah, I, I think they are doomed. They are properly. That was that was a doomed performance uh, on Saturday. There, like they had four shots in total in the whole match. Some of them weren't what I would even class as shots. Like two of them were outside the box and was like were like blocked. Uh, one of them was the Denzaki one, which was just you know pretty much a pass back. But uh, Mike Kennedy decided to try and save it for some reason, which ended up being the penalty, which was the fourth shot. So uh, Aberdeen's new uh, goalkeeper from Ajax had one shot to face, which was a penalty, which which went in. Um, so I mean that that is dire considering how bad Aberdeen have been at the back. And obviously there's been a change in personnel. Uh, you know the, the unfortunate Anthony Stewart is away. Uh, so you know the, this defence is, is relatively untested, but they, they did play midweek and yeah they were they were down to uh, ten men early on, but they still chucked in three goals in that game. So you would think. Yeah, even if you're even a team as as low in confidence as Motherwell, you'd think they'd at least have more of a goal than having four shots in the whole game, one of which is on target. Um, so yeah, pretty pretty brutal performance. And uh, to be honest, if you look at the, the sort of lineup before they started, it, it, it didn't bode well. Uh, you're you're really relying on Ricky Lamy being like the senior man in a in a defensive full of fullbacks. Just uh, they just they look terrible on paper, and they're actually worse on the grass. And <laughs> um, so, what 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 do you make of that, Rob? This like what Stephen O'Donnell, who's who's been pretty much left out in the cold and a bit of injured injury this season, brought in to play right centre back. Yeah, and and brought in and playing like he's forgotten how to play football. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that as well, uh, just just to build on what you was saying there, and the question you asked Tony, I, I don't see a way out of this for Motherwell. I think they're absolutely the favourites for automatic relegation now. They're going on a trajectory of Hibs 2014, Dundee United 2016. This is what we're talking about here. This is a team that has won one in their last 15 games uh, and they get turned over by an Aberdeen team uh, with absolutely, yeah, I don't know, the confidence of a, a, a guy from a call centre who's been told by his mates to go and do stand-up for the first time. <laughs> like it's just absolutely nothing. They're still able to turn them over. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you look at the defence there, nothing but fullbacks plus Ricky Lamy and um, uh, a guy who's never going to play in goals for Scotland, hopefully, and Liam Kelly. Um, <laughs> you look through the, the, the midfield, and again, it's just so weak. It's so light. Goss is, Goss is a, a, a decent footballer. Blair Spittle tries his heart out. Dean Cornelius... I think as a Motherwell fan, so at least there's that. But again, there's there's nothing else there. It's just it's a team completely devoid of idea, completely devoid of identity. Um, and playing against another team that has an identity crisis and not being able to lay a glove on them. Um, things are dire for Motherwell. I think that, that it shouldn't be understated. Just because you see Dundee United and Ross County and Kelly are all sort of down there as well. That's that's false for me. I I think Motherwell are, are worse than all those teams. I I don't see how they're going to stop this slide down into the championship. Yeah, I think it's the second goal. Got- um, you know, Majowski's first goal that uh, you know Ramadani. I think it's Slattery's pocket he picks. If if you see Adorno that game, it looks like he's running back wearing like fluorescent jeans. He just moves so his movement is so unnatural, and then he does sort of get back in position, and then like 
still manages to, to fuck up and let the ball go, go through to Mioski. I mean, he, he really did look, not only that he'd forgotten how to play football, but he'd forgotten how to like just even move. Um, I don't yeah, know if that's I, I got, an injury thing or whatever, but... I, I got a bit of PTSD watching him. That's the kind of thing like when you're... When I played football, especially when I got a bit older and I was getting chunkier uh, and I was always slow and poor movement and like watching him like try to backpedal a bit. I've done that. I remember doing that playing football with Gary Cocker and uh, right. and Graham Thrillis years ago. I, we all played football at Ainsley Park and the exact, I actually watched, I was like, I, I've literally done that. <laughs> and you're trying to, like there was a two on one situation and I'm trying to backpedal and try to cover it and then you just fall directly on your arse. <laughs> Because you just don't you don't know how to move your feet. You're too shuffle. You're not agile enough. And he looked sort of really, really, really old there. But like, mm. I mean, and then when you look at the bench, I mean, you start to get that period where you think, right, the manager is just starting to change things, maybe for the sake of it, like, mm. uh, or maybe maybe Van Veen. I can again, I can see Van Veen being relatively moody at points and and fair play <laughs> right now. Yeah, well, yeah, but. But uh, like just the fact that you're you're taking your top scorer out like Kevin Van Veen's going to be anywhere near the issue with what's going on at Motherwell. And McKinstry's still not really playing, even though he looks like he would possibly have something about even Crankshaw maybe done yeah. something during the week as exactly. well. Exactly. I, just... I thought I thought against the Johnson Crankshaw, you know, yeah, it was a rank performance again from Motherwell. But Crankshaw looked pretty decent. Um, and then he's not uh, you know, uh, maybe a victim of the change in uh, formation, but. Uh, yeah, uh, just uh, it is, it, I think the whole transfer window that the mother have had is a bit like that, and that they've just made loads of signings. Obviously, they needed to make signings because they need to make the team better, but it feels like they made so many signings, and none of the players they brought in are any better than what they had, which is the opposite of what they need to do. Um, so yeah, they're in, they're in they're in bother. Um, let's move over to Aberdeen. I mean, seeing. It was good to maybe see, especially with Aberdeen fans, Mayovsky looking quite as sharp as he did. I, mean, I, I think I don't think I'm the only one out there who, with Mayovsky, you're thinking when he's not scoring goals, he's he's basically like a man down. But mm. he looked so confident with with those goals. They're like they're both really really delicate, really really confident and and sharp finishes. And with him and Duke getting up there, I mean, if they, they only need to get their act together a bit defensively, Aberdeen, with those mm. two up there, they're guaranteed to score goals. And you would still say, even despite everything, you can say this about Hibs later on, that they're still well in, in with a shout of, of having at least a decent season where they would look at European football next year. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think that, that system, I mean, that sort of three-five-two is probably how Aberdeen need to play. Uh, certainly, uh, under you know, with the, the previous sort of defensive personnel, it didn't suit all of them. Um, it didn't suit Anthony Stewart, basically. Uh, but I, I think I don't. And I don't know if it suits the, the new defensive centre halves more. Uh, that you know, time will tell. But I, I think it really suits Mayovsky and, and Duke. And given the rest of the team that doesn't have that much going for it, I, I think you need to get both of them. Just playing in a, in a way that that suits the two of them, and, and they'll probably score enough goals to you know to make as best a, a fist of this season as Aberdeen can. I, I, Duke, Duke's great, but I think play, you know he's been playing as a, a more of a winger recently, and he can do that, but only you know going one direction. He, he can't 
try back. He's just not very good at it. He's uh, got an uh, injury every time he's asked to do yeah, that. <laughs> he went off at Hamden, just he'd had enough of chasing after the uh, Tavernier. Yeah. You know, Cadden gave him a, a bit of a roasting as well. And it's you know, it just doesn't suit his game. It's it's fair enough. He, you know, he's, he could probably play in like as a winger in a four three three, but I don't think he could do it in a sort of four two three one. Um so, so yeah, he needs to, I think, play through the middle with, with Majowski and uh, you'll get the best of both of them. Um, and and uh, that, that you know, just just with those two, the, the personnel and the, and the rest of the team, you'd think they'll have enough to finish top six. I mean, they really should. The other interesting thing Aberdeen done was uh, they, they pulled Clarkson back a bit for, for what I read uh, and, and sort of looking at his average positions as well. Clarkson sort of dropped, he's been playing a sort of attacking role, but they seem mm. to bring in, so him, Ramadani and Shinny were really, really close together in everything they do. And then Duke and Mayovsky again, really, really close together. So there's a lot more, there was a lot more partnerships, a lot more like sort of faith in each other uh, and trying to just be really much more solid than, than, they, than they have been. I suppose that's all pretty smart. Just a bit of safety in numbers in certain areas, and not try and really reinvent the wheel or anything. And I mean, Robert, where, where do, you, do you think can we can we judge the new centre halves yet? Obviously, they had a tough tough time against St Mirren, and can you really judge them on this? Are we still going to need to wait another couple of weeks before we know we can start judging Pollock and and McDonald. Uh, I, I think we, we need to give them a few weeks, uh, bearing in mind that Anthony Stewart came in and was given the captain's armband after a couple of weeks. I think that a cautionary tale, if nothing else. Um, but no, certainly, you know, from what I've seen and, and what I heard from the Aberdeen fans, Matty Pollock looks mm. like a very good pickup. Um, looks like a, a really good, strong, but also, you know, sort of a ball playing centre half who can just offer them things that Ross McCrory and Anthony Stewart haven't been able to do uh, in that back line so far this season and do it with a bit more confidence. This is a guy who hasn't, this is a guy who hasn't shipped five goals to Hearts and six to Hibs and, and all this kind of stuff. He's coming into it with a different point of view and maybe a little bit more responsibility as well, having seen, you know, that's, that's the team that he's coming into. Angus McDonald as well, you know, it's, it comes with a lot of experience uh, having played sort of uh, top flight and, and second tier and, in England, um, so yeah, I, I think that it's a promising start. And if you are centre halves uh, of this nature, you're wanting to come into games like this, uh, essentially tap-ins uh, against the worst <laughs> at home, um, and you want to build your, your way into it like that because then you're playing with players who have a bit more confidence around about you as well. Graham Shinney, uh, Ramadani, and, and Clarkson in front of them, and then the wing backs, whoever they may be, week by week, uh, either side of them as well. So. Really promising start for both. As I say, especially Matty Pollock seems like a really good pickup. Yeah. Um but let, let's wait until let, let's wait until we see them against any other opposition other than the worst <laughs> team in the league. Uh, and then we can start uh, we can start talking about it. And especially I think it'll be interesting, given Aberdeen's atrocious away form this season, seeing how they get on on the road now as well under uh, under the football man what was it, the football management team um uh, of uh, Barry Robson and, and, and the lads. Mm. Um, well, we'll find out firsthand when they go to Parkhead, uh, which is their, their next assignment. So I feel like I we're, really not, we're still going to be here next week, still not able to judge them. <laughs> we'll get uh, we'll, another we'll like seven or something. Like, ah, we can't, can't judge these guys yet. We just can't do it. Um, but I like judging them. That's the whole point of my existence on on, on mm. a podcast. Um, but I will hold fire and move over to Tyne Castle, where Robert Borthwick took in Hearts three. 
Dundee United won, a little sprinkle of controversy, a couple of red cars, a wild goal on paper looked like a great game, Rob. But was it? Uh, on paper, it looked like a great game. On grass, um, it was fine. Um, <laughs> from a Hearts perspective, it was a great big fart noise for about 60 minutes. Um, mm. And then they, they, they kind of came to life a wee bit. But I think a lot of credit needs to go to to Liam Fox and to Dundee United um, for the, the way that they set up in the game, but also the way they played both with 11 men and, and 10 men. Um, they, they really put an awful lot of effort into the into the performance and, and you know no lack of quality in there as well they created so many opportunities in that first half and they were able to get Niskanen especially from left wing back really up there supporting the likes of Middleton and Fletcher he was getting in behind he was causing uh, James Hill and, and Alan Forrest a lot of problems down that left hand side and was allowing Stephen Fletcher to, to do what Stephen Fletcher does and bring other players into the game Glenn Middleton uh, was was all right. I'd, I'd quite like Glenn Middleton, if I'm honest. Peter Pollitt was a late inclusion because Jamie McGrath got injured in the warm-up and Pollitt, I thought, was superb. Um, I think that the game kind of changed a wee bit when he had to come off injured himself in the second half. And Dundee United just, you know, defensively put so much into the game. I think Hearts were, especially second half, they were knocking on the door a lot more, um, but, but they were still able to to repel it right up until 70 minutes and then, you know, Lauren Shanklin gets an opportunity, gets a big deflection, but that's what that's what you need sometimes in a game like that uh, for Hearts to score. They score right after it. Five minutes later, it's a wonderful goal. Uh, Barry Mackay central to it all, and a, a lovely finish from Cochrane. And then you know United are kind of chasing themselves after that. But yeah, I thought um, you know kind of tactically the two teams match themselves up um, in a sort of three four two one if you want to call it that three four three formation. Um, and both put a lot of endeavour and a lot of effort into the spectacle. It wasn't a classic, but it was finished off by one of the classic, if not the classic, modern Tynecastle goal from uh, from Stephen Humphreys, who kind of weirdly just drilled, kind of dinked one in from 58 yards, uh, making Mark Forgetty look like an absolute tit. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a really enjoyable not end. Not for the first time. <laughs> a really enjoyable end and I, I'm one that I'll remember for the rest of my life uh, to, a, to a game that from a Hearts perspective anyway flattered to deceive from a Dundee United perspective probably gave them a lot of hope despite the fact their run of form their poor run of form still continues and listeners if you enjoy crazy goals like Stephen Humphreys, like we all do that Rob's talking about, that is going to be the inspiration for our Patreon later where the three of us are going to discuss um, sort of the most wild goals we've seen in the flesh. So we're all excited to do that. So come over there and join us if you want to listen to us do that. But Robert, just again, Hearts have a bit of a problem in the right wing back area because obviously they're, they, they're still... He's not changing the formation, despite the fact you don't really have someone to play out there at the moment. And do you think that was deliberate from Liam Fox? Because Niskanen's not played a lot in recent weeks, but he was mm. brought in and, as you're saying, got quite a lot of joy against Forrest. Yeah, I mean, I think so. And I, I quite like Niskanen every, every time I've seen him, to be honest. It's a weird one because he's kind of a nomadic figure in that Dundee United team now whereby he's not quite a winger, not quite a forward, not quite a wing back, but he can plug a gap in each. Um but no, I mean Alan Forrest, um, for all the work rate and intensity he can bring to the team is he's not a right wing back. Um that's not where he should be. If if he's going to be anywhere it should be where Josh Janelli is currently um sitting in the team. And 
Yeah, it's a weird one. Nathaniel Atkinson remains benched despite the fact he is, by trade, a right wing back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, mm-hmm. obviously not enough trust from the management team, I would say, in Atkinson to, to bring those performance levels and, and sort of allow Robbie Nielsen to feel comfortable with uh, with the balance of the team. Michael Smith's out injured just now and we were unsuccessful trying to sign Callum Patterson. So clearly there, there are steps being made to try and, uh, to try and fill that gap in the team, but it's a weird one, man, because Atkinson came on against Hibs in the Scottish Cup. I think he did really well against Yuan, who was causing mm-hmm. us some issues. He started against uh, Inverness, uh, sorry, started against Livingston. Wasn't one of our worst players and had fairly poor performance. I thought he was actually all right. So, yeah, it's, it's a weird one to see Forrest coming in there. But you're right, Fox did pinpoint that. And, and certainly, you know, whenever Fletcher was going up for aerial battles as well, he would go towards more of the left-hand side of the pinch mm-hmm. for them because he knew that the overload was coming and, and the knockdowns and the hold-up play that he could influence the game with, he was doing, and doing really well. Stephen Fletcher's still such a good, good player, man. He's uh, he's just got all the experience, he's got the movement, he's got the strength, and you know he got a goal as well. So, uh, big shout to Stephen Fletcher. He was he's, just, he's just really easy on the eye, Stephen Fletcher. I think it's always... Um, Ball always sticks, he's really good in the air, he, but he's not like weak, but he's always, his first touch is always pretty on point. Um, he's always able to just use one touch to shift it on. He's just always a player that looked like he'd be fun to play with and play around. Um, let's go, you and um, you're you're you you don't have a dog in this race, so uh, Edwards mm. might as well touch on the decision there. You and what, what, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a red card, I don't really know why there's any debate about. Uh, you know, whether it is or not, I mean, you could sort of you are you endangering an opponent? Yes, you could see that on the holiday's leg. Uh, it's high. It's got more force than he needed. Uh, you know, All think. very needless, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminded me a wee bit of a red card, which I vociferously didn't think was a red card at the time, but in practice, in, in retrospect, probably was. It was the Ryan Jacks one? It was years ago against Aberdeen, the, the Stevie May one, where Jack like. He plays a pass and then like crunches into me mm-hmm. his follow through. It reminded me a wee bit of that, but I, I, I think Edwards might be a wee bit even worse because it's sort of higher. Um, and I, I think he knows exactly what he's doing. So yeah, I, 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 it seems I don't know if uh, these these VAR red cards seem to be just get everyone's appealing every time there is one <laughs> in the hope that well we'll maybe get because it just seems like sort of potluck as to what uh, decisions will get overturned by the, the appeals panel so who knows whether that'll get uh, i see dundee united have have appealed it so who knows whether it gets overturned it should in my in my view um obviously the, the other red card is one of the one of the funniest red cards they'll be all season it's just <laughs> Ginelli just uh, losing the plot slightly, um, but uh, but yeah, that, so that was pretty pretty good. But um, but I, I think Edwards' one is just a yeah. To me, it's a it's a Stonewall red card, and I think if Walsh sees it at the time, but he probably is following the ball and doesn't maybe notice the uh, the sort of follow through his call holiday because um, it you know was that quick. But but yeah, that is it's a red card for me. Yeah, I'd say it's. I I, I mean, Rob, what? What game is Robbie Nielsen playing by saying it's not it's not a red card? I'll, I'll just Robbie Nielsen has to be one of the most quote unquote at it managers around, and I, and I don't say that in a in a, in a negative way. I, I, I would, if I was managing, I'd be extremely extremely similar. But I don't know what what what, what games you try to play here with this one. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think sometimes he just he just answers the question just how he wants to. 
<laughs> like maybe not based on the the fact of the situation. Um, I agree with you. And by the way, I, I think it was a red card. Um, I think ten years, fifteen years ago, it probably wasn't a red card, but he's gone on with too much force, and that's that's really it for me. Um, and yeah, I think the complete acceptance of Hartson for the Janelli red card is fair enough. He's <laughs> lost the run of himself. Um, yes. I, can, I can understand why he's a wee bit annoyed at Nick Walsh because Berrettini was taken twice or three times as long as that earlier on and mm-hmm. didn't get a book in. You can see why, you know, he's maybe like, oh, come on, mate. But the, the, the applause followed by the laughter, um, I, I thought was was a fantastic way for that game to end, actually. Yeah. <laughs> great great injury a, time period, you'd have to say. And then it's a bit of a bit, like when you look at the bigger picture for Ginelli, that's it's shit because obviously he's sort of cemented himself a place in that team with a lot of, with a lot of competition in there. Um, so missing a game in, in, in his role I think could really really work against him um, could easily see him just loot. obviously you've got Cool that'll be desperate for a shot in his actual position obviously Humphreys is in and out of the team but I mean as, as you were as you were explaining it's, it's a big cult hero downtown Castle now so um, that could end up really working against Ginelli but who it didn't work against was David Martindale once again masterminding another victory for Livingston as they basically put Kilmarnock to the sword in about 20 minutes uh, at the Tory Macaroni. You and you watched this. I mean, how impressive a performance was it? Yeah, yeah. We'd say Livingston were you know, excellent for the first half an hour. Uh, and then that was the game over. And then the rest of it just sort of played out uh, you know, relatively uh Quietly, I mean, obviously, come on, I got to go back in the second half. But yeah, I was, I was really impressed with with Livingston. I think I, I was checking. So, how many times would you say uh, Bruce Anderson and Joe Noble have started together in the league this season? Oh, once maybe, twice, Max. Well, this was the third time uh, the- this season, and uh, so there you go. And uh, they, they've won. Livingston have won all three games. One was the away at Rugby Park, um, which they beat uh, Kilmarnock 3-2. They beat Aberdeen 2-1, and then obviously the, the, the one at the weekend. So that, to me, will make a massive difference to Livingston if they can actually get both of them on the park at the same time. Uh, Anderson seemed to take a while to get in the team at the start of the season. He was sort of coming off the bench, and then obviously Nubli had his injury. Um, and uh, you know Anderson sort of lately come into a good bit of form, and, and now Nubli's back. So, yeah, I'd be getting the, the two of them on the park every week. Because uh, well, Kamarnik uh, can cope with them in the, in the in the first sort of half an hour at all, and he's done uh, that kind of by choice quite a lot this season as well. Yeah, I know you. I know you're mm. marking the the Nubli injury recently, but I mean we've spoken about yes. this on before. I was I was calling him a wimp because it was annoying me that we were never getting to see Anderson <laughs> yeah, and Nubli yeah. together because it was straight the way that they play. You would think that they blend well together, mm. uh, and and obviously they're both sort of proven to be really, really good players at this level at, at various times. And it just seems obvious, but who are we? Who am I to tell David Martindale what to do? But I'm glad to see they've been winning all these games that you spoke about. Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think that's something that they should probably um, lean into. I wonder sometimes if, if Livingston, I mean, for the obviously for the size of club and the size of budget, they, they presumably have the squad they have so impressive <laughs> yeah, so yeah. compared to compared to like almost every other team in the league like the amount of options they've got is is incredible they make um, changes every single week i mean they made five there and now we're talking about yeah. that we were noticing that like i know i know he started this week uh like Pittman, 
But, I mean, he's been out of the mm. team a lot. I mean, Jason Holt, you thought, was an absolute, like, stick-on, fulcrum of the team. He's mm. He's been out of the team a lot. And now Omionga and Shinny have been playing a lot recently. They, they're out of the team. Obelai's not guaranteed a game. Montano's come back in recently, but he hadn't been... He hadn't been playing, and obviously Penrice had been bloody scoring doubles in games, and it's just yeah. he, you, you can never really second guess Livingston now. You'll never really know what their lineup's going to be. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's incredible. And one person, I mean, I, I think uh, you obviously was singing the praises of Nubly and, and Anderson, but I, I thought man of the match by a mile was Stephen Kelly in this game. He was so obviously he scores the the uh, the third one, but he, he was brilliant the whole game. Um, he was sort of playing in the sort of left of the, uh, the centre mid, uh, pairing with with the other Kelly, um, and yeah, he, he actually had quite an important role. I thought defensively in terms of shuffling across to stop uh, Danny Armstrong, because mm-hmm. Kamarnik's tactics, it really is like Danny Armstrong and Inshallah. It's just they've got no. The, the, obviously they get two big lumps up front but other than that is just get the ball to Armstrong and hope he does something I, I think of all the teams in the league they're probably the most reliant on that single player uh, which, which is Armstrong I mean if, if they stay up this season they, like Armstrong deserves a statue outside Rugby Park it's it's like a one man team um, so they were they were really I, I felt it was quite obvious that Livingston knew that and were making sure that he just had no space whatsoever. So Montano was pretty tight to him at all times, and then Kelly was shuffling over, and they were just picking his pocket quite easily. So he just couldn't, couldn't get anything going at all. Uh, and I think the, the first goal actually comes from that, and, and Kelly sort of drives out from that sort of left side of the midfield position, goes across the park, plays a nice pass, and and that gets the, the uh, eventually ends up with the, the goal for Nubli um, when the cross comes into the box. So yeah, I think Kelly... He has a lot of quality. Uh, I was telling everyone, I thought every team in the league pretty much with the Rangers Celtic should have signed him in the summer. Um, and he's starting to put it all together. Uh, and I actually think he might be, if he was anywhere else at Livingston, he might have been considered to have been having a better season because he'd probably have less competition to get in the team. But because he's got Pittman, uh, he's got, <laughs> ridiculously, he's got like Pittman, Omionga, Holt, uh, Sean Kelly and, uh, and um, Jenny all sort of to compete uh, for like, about two positions. So it's, uh, it's ridiculous that he's, uh, you know, th- they've got that sort of um, wealth of, uh, of talent. But uh, but no, he, he was he was the best player in the park and another fantastic sort of technical finish, which he's got in his locker. Yeah, it was an absolute beauty of a goal. The in-step volley is is, mm. is a popular no. one for for me. Yeah. Lovely pick out uh, from Nubli as well. I think yeah, that was yeah, completely intentional. Rob... We we got to finally see something, and it was the most classic Christian Deutsch goal you'll possibly ever see. Oh my god, man! I still don't know how that happened. Like, I, I, honestly, I watched it five times, and I was like, you know, in, in FIFA, when, when you sort of like you you go into the replay mode, and then you zoom right in on the ball, and it's actually just gone through the goalkeeper. Yeah, you know, like, right, okay, that's just a, that's just an error with the game. That's what happened with this one, uh, and he looked fucking cheesing. He looked so. Uh, you know, you're so delighted. <laughs> you're three 0 down. You just scored the worst goal of your career. Like, I don't know. He scored, he scored a few squares for him, like a few. That goal I've seen, I've seen a fair few times for Christian Deutsch. Honestly, like, how good is his goal bonus if that's how happy it was making him? Um, yeah. It was, it was that stage of the game as well, though, because it was like you just knew, you knew Kelly were getting nothing from it. Like they, they just are so bad away from home. Currently, only being really saved by the fact they're quite good at home. 
Um, mm. And yeah, the, the fact that Tuka, a shambling um, sort of 20, 20 deflection move to get to um, the header that then found Christian Deutsch in the middle of the goals to sort of fuck it home with his uh, with his chest, like yeah. yeah, that that says a lot about about what that game was for for Kilmarnock and what's turning into just a poorer and poorer season from a team that was expected to do so much better under Derek McInnes coming up last season, um, and they're just they're just sort of bumbling through this season like you and says with uh, Dan Armstrong as your kind of great your great hope for a you know a more positive campaign. It's mm. just it can't really go on like that. And you even look at you look at the, the, the team that was out there um, and you're even thinking like, right, you know, the transfer window hasn't really changed them that much. It hasn't really given them anything massively new. Obviously, Kyle Vassell coming in um, is, is, is one element of that. But yeah, it's just, uh, mm. it's it's not great for Kelly just now. And, and from their point of view, they just hope that when they look at the fixture list again tomorrow, there's no more away games between now and the end of the season. <laughs> that would probably help them. Yeah, because for for all that, Dodge goal was obviously you know like just you know sheer sort of chance and uh, you know the ugliest goal you see. I think that's pretty much when you're when McInnes is like working with them on, in, in trading. I think that's the sort of the goal that he's trying to for Kamara <laughs> to score. Like that's basically Armstrong gets the ball. And that's pretty, almost the only time you really got in, you know, got sort of by his man and got got across in. Uh, so Armstrong does does his bit, and then the two big lumps just like continually try and force the ball over the line, and uh, you know it, it worked that time. But I mean, yeah, that's I think that's that's you know that's sort of planned. That's they're trying to do that, and that that's a concern. Uh, I, I I think, and yeah, they they just um, they're not going to have obviously sort of the. Uh, the end of season Kyle Lafferty form, which he he specialises in. So, I I, I, mean, I think Dodge that they need to get surely yeah, Scott Robinson in the team. Well, well, yeah, I think obviously next week, well, sort of two weeks it is now. I, I think um, mm. Dodge won't be able to play at Easter Road. Would be my presumption. Um, so yeah. I imagine Robinson will come in to play up there with Vassell, and obviously Robinson's much more mobile. Um, mm. But in terms back to back to Dodge being so happy, that was his first league goal since Ross County at Easter Road on the second day of last season when 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 he got his injuries. So um, the only happiness he's in his life since then is is the girl that he's fallen in love with. That's um, that's led to him playing for Kilmarnock. So uh, give him a break, Rob. Let him let him swipe fresh air and it go into the net and let him be <laughs> let him be chuffed. <laughs> Listen, I I wasn't I wasn't telling him to stop. I was just pointing out that he was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a team without Dodge is uh, finally got a striker who's really really coming into his own and becoming a real fan favourite. Easter Road as Hibernian defeated St Mirren in Paisley. Finally, someone has done it apart from Motherwell FC on the opening day. I managed to. To catch us in a pub, um, so it wasn't the best way to watch it. But I think I was lucky because you would need a stiff drink to to get through what I was watching because the conditions were really, really bad for probably the second Hibs game. Obviously, the game against Ross County uh, in Dingwall and this back to back, the weather was absolutely atrocious. But uh, this St Mirren especially will be really, really disappointed in, in the way they play. I suppose 
I always think maybe that the poorer the conditions, the more you probably need to get the ball down on the ground. So I'm inclined to think maybe that playing in St. Mirren's way really doesn't work mm. when you can't really play percentages because the ball's just going all over the place. And they really, really struggled. I mean, they didn't really create a chance for a full 90 minutes at home. Uh, really, I'm struggling to think of like mm. a, a really guilt edge chance that they managed to create. Hibs, Hibs had a lot more of the ball. I, I know St. Mirren don't really look for too much possession, but Hibs had over 60% of the ball and always looked the, the more likely. And the goal when it came was two, two substitutes actually combined pretty well down the right-hand side with Chris Cadden um, playing a good touch and knocking it forward to Ewan Henderson, who um, I wasn't too enamoured with when, when I saw coming on the pitch, but to be fair to him, he, he done well to drag it forward and he plays a lovely ball into Ewan. And uh, Ewan with sort of like, I don't know, it felt like such a foreigner's goal. And <laughs> I just don't really picture mm. it just like the, the sort of touch, the sort of drop of the shoulder, the little shuffle inside, and then what looks like quite a sexy toe poke. It's not like you're, it looks really, really good and it's a really smart finish off the post and in. And that's him scored three goals in three league games. We're starting to see the sleepy celebration uh, on, on a regular basis. And the, the Hibs fans really seem to enjoy that one. The Bairns are on the pitch giving him a cuddle. And um, we're starting to think maybe that Hibs would be correct in taking a, taking whatever option they've got on, on Eli Yuan. Hmm. Sorry, I think uh, yeah. toe, toe pokes can be sexy, Tony. Uh, and this this was definitely one of them. I thought it was a great goal, man. I Aye. really, yeah. really enjoy a touch and hit striker. And that's what he's done there. He's taken a touch inside his man. And he's, yeah, it's a Toby, but, you know, Tobies are, Tobies are great. You get so much more power in them. Uh, and he's, he's slammed it in off the post. I think in recent weeks, um, the, the extra responsibility that he has Without the likes of Martin Boyle in there, he's he's taken that upon himself. And I think that having Eden McGeady the other side of the pitch and having him in training even will be helping him as well. Like you have a balance now. You've got these two guys who can get up there and support whichever, you know, main striker that you want to put in there. Even if Yuan is now the main striker himself, he can shoulder that responsibility and he gives defenders a torrid time. Um I thought he was I thought he was really effective um without really been able to create too much in the game. I saw the, the most of him, uh, which was the, the Derby Easter Road. Mm. Um, but he was still, he's constant. You know, he never backs down. He's, he keeps going and keeps going. And he, he, he looks like he has the capabilities of, of making stuff happen. And then obviously with his goal at Ross County, the goal here now, um, he's, he's shown that he can do that on a more regular basis. And I think he's, uh, if you've got an option to sign him, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't activate it quite yet. I'd, I'd allow him to show a bit more consistency between now and the end of the season. If he can get Hibs into fourth position, then uh, then, then that's definitely one that you need to you need to look at taking up. Because he's, um, I've really enjoyed him moving centrally recently. Because I, I was never too sure about him in there. I didn't really know, like one of those classics. Uh, maybe a bit of xenophobia. Who knows when it comes through? Like not really having the minerals uh, with the with the with the, with the way right, he's well, playing. <laughs> yeah, no, this is exactly exactly where I, I feel like I, I'm I'm verging into, and I, and I don't want to. Uh, but recently, he, he he looks to have got up to the physical side of the game. He realizes that he won't get a lot of time mm. on it, and and even when he's been playing centrally, he's been winning a lot of balls in the air. He's using his body. He's willing to release the ball a lot quicker where, than what he was earlier in the season. It's just someone who's 
obviously with his style of play, it's taken a bit of time to get to grips with the sort of unique bustle of mm. of Scottish football and stranger and, and and again what would go against the xenophobic ones is uh, he's he sort of seemed to have found his feet really really much in the winter uh, of all times when the conditions <laughs> have got have got worse Yuan seems to have have got better so I I really take your point about McGeady as well it's like a, a bit of quality on the other side and, and Hibs can keep the ball I think a lot more I think we're able to we can have longer periods of worthy possession in the last third with with McGeady in there. It's not that he's setting up loads of goals or scoring loads of goals, but we stick because he's such a high-quality mm. player. He can play with both feet. Defenders just automatically back off him because, well, you just you can't show him away. And that's obviously always really problematic for, for teams. But um, to go further, into, the good things about Hibs, obviously another couple of like so, sign-ins, uh, Jago really wasn't sure of in, in the derby when he, when he got lobbed in, but... He, he's not easy on the eye, Jago, but he's had a, I think he's had a major impact. It's no surprise since he's come in outside of that game that he started. Hibs have stopped conceding goals. I mean, apart from that disgrace of a decision in Dingwall uh, during the week, Hibs would have three clean sheets on the bounce. And, and Jago's way of plugging the holes when the centre-halves sort of go forward with the ball his, his positional sense is really good, and if he just passes, if he tries to pass the ball any more than ten yards, it's it's going out the pitch. Like, but uh, he's he, he he senses danger, and he and he slots in for other people, and it's no surprise that Josh Campbell and and Joe Newell have, have got a lot better with him in the pitch, and then sort of the form of of William Fish. Along with Paul Hanlon, Fish has absolutely strolled the last three games, and he's went up against two of the biggest battering ram strikers in the league. With um um with well Curtis Main and um why is the guy who plays for Ross County totally slipped my mind Jordan White Jordan White, uh, Jordan White. He, he's gone up against them and he and he's had absolutely no problems so that could work well he was, maybe he's just not a right back and he shouldn't throw him into derbies to play right back when he's not kicked a ball before that but he's playing in centre half yeah. he's done well but. Um, disappointed for for St Mirren Ewan I mean is this something they, they should worry about or do you think that they'll just carry on get over it and get back to basics I, I think they'll be okay I mean I, it was I think it, it was surprising to me if, if you told me that Hibs beat St Mirren at uh, you know in Paisley I would have thought that Hibs would have had to play a lot better than they did so I think it's, it's quite encouraging I think for Hibs that they're able to Submitting of all teams in quite a sort of scrappy encounter. You know, they all, I mean, Hibs did have more of the ball, they did to make, you know, make more chances, they did play more football, which you'd maybe expect, but it's almost like they didn't have to be that good. And, and yet they were, they were sort of, they showed enough sort of battling qualities. And um, so, so I think that that'll, that'll be great for Hibs. That's the sort of game that, that I didn't think Hibs were really capable of, of winning. Um, but yeah, Submitting will probably be a wee bit worried that that. That kind of game that you know the the they ended up being second best in, but uh, but I I think you know they'll be all right um, and uh, you know they'll just I mean they'll miss a Yunga I think go I mean obviously uh-huh. he didn't play against Aberdeen either but I think they will miss him they'll need to get Tony Watt up to uh, up to speed um, you know because they're still starting meaning and grieve at the moment I, I think what you you would presume would would come in. Um, I thought uh, Josh Campbell was slightly fortunate to not mm-hmm. get sent off to the tackle on the and what I thought that looked a wee bit high and studs up, but uh, got away with it. Um, didn't seem to get 
get uh, get fired. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think in terms of the result, I don't think someone can have any complaints. So just they, they were sort of second best ultimately. But um, don't, don't I don't worry. think they'll be worried too much. Just a word you were using earlier, pretty regularly about identity. I think that's what stops you worrying about Sitmarin when they have bad games because mm. they're just so sure of themselves, so sure of the way they play. They've got a manager who's like, he loves it. He loves it. He loves playing in this sort of up and at them way. And, and I'm not against it. I, I really like watching Sitmarin. I liked watching Robinson's teams when when he was at Motherwell. I, I know he won't be some fan's cup of tea, but I think it's always great fun and good value to watch. And it's most of the time really, really effective. Um, so I don't think they'll have any bother and, and they'll be back in tops. Uh, it's tough because maybe, I always think Aberdeen are going to be there, but Livingston and St Mirren seem the most, I don't know, Rob, I don't know if you'll agree with this, but I always feel like they two seem the most stable of, of all the other clubs mm. in the league outside of the top three. Yeah. Yeah, the, the moment they are, I would say definitely. So yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, if Aberdeen... Uh, you know the current top six uh, it, it will be at least five of them they'll be in the top six and it's just whether Aberdeen sort of get themselves together uh, and, and catch you know one of the teams above them that they really should catch uh, which you know probably uh, or what could be any of obviously Livingston Hibs or St Mirren if they, if they had a wee bad run of the form Right let's go to Ibrox you and yeah you're all, you're all the way you've taken the time to talk to us hmm. you've come on so let me talk about the, the teddy bears who brought Todd Campbell looking like he had a, a really encouraging game there, but the performance all around, mm. was, there any, was there any worries in that? Yeah, I think we're still trying to find the best way to play against the, um, well, let's just use the uncharitable term, diddy teams at home. Um, that That's what I think... You know, the, that's what you're these, here for you and just to tell it how it is like. in, in, on a podcast <laughs> but every, which is mainly about let's all the honest, other teams <laughs> yeah but, but you know they, they are let's be honest so <laughs> I, I, you know, a game against Ross County at home at Ibrox should be like, basically a game of shooting in for, for Rangers uh, and for all the, the obviously the results have been good uh, and since Bill Michael Beale took over um, the the actual performances at Ibrox haven't really been that great. That you know they haven't been racking up um you know big score lines. I think Pete Motherwell three 0 but that's Motherwell. Uh, I think otherwise the games have you know they've not won by more than two goals. So uh, you're sick. You're waiting on a performance that that actually sort of were dangerous catch fire, but and that they just haven't. They went with the, probably the most because John well John Lundstrom got a. Uh, injured early on which is not a disaster by any stretch of the imagination at the moment uh, and Peel uh, brought on uh, Tillman who's sort of being, being rested so that, that was after about 10 minutes and and that meant the midfield at that point was Ryan Jack and then he was the only real sort of midfielder midfielder I would say and then the rest of the midfield was like Todd Cantwell um, Alec Tillman and then ahead of them they had Ryan Kent uh, Fashion Scala and Morelos so that that's in terms of personnel that's really attacking but it didn't really work I wouldn't have said I mean it worked for the, the first goal you know Cantwell does really well you know it's sort of nice interplay all around and, and Cantwell puts in a good ball for, for Tillman to nod in but it, it's yeah it, I think Bill said that he thought the players sort of got in each other's way a wee bit um, and there was definitely a bit of the sort of classic you know Arsenal like they're trying to you know they're trying to pass the ball in sort of type <laughs> thing uh, well, the are all trying to walk it was like there was, there, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's what I was trying to say. Uh, yeah, so like there was a, there was a bit of that, and it's almost like you have too many sort of technical players and not enough uh, guys that are just you know trying to be ruthless and, and score goals. So well, it wasn't great. I mean, also the, the Hearts game in, in midweek. I think there was a, people were sort of saying, oh, well, you know, that sets the standard, and and that uh, you know that that would be sort of a wee bit of a turning point in terms of performances. But games at Ibrox are so different to to that. I mean, Hearts. Basically, just set themselves up to go straight into a buzzsaw at uh, at Tyne Castle, and that was that was on Hearts. But I mean, if every team played like that against Rangers, then it'd be much easier. But they, they quite rightly don't. I think there was uh, Malky McKay had had his uh, team set up pretty well. Actually, I thought, and there were a few sort of tactical um, tweaks in the game, uh, and and you because after about an hour, uh, Beal took. Uh, Fashion Scala off and brought Camaro on, which sort of you know, back to a bit more of a recognisable formation with, with two of the deeper midfielders. But um, uh, they then immediately uh, concede <laughs> the equaliser, so you've you've made the team more defensive than it immediately conceded. Um, but partly because Ryan Jack tackled um, Glenn Camara, which was uh, pretty pretty stupid. Um, and uh, Jordan White scored his fifth goal in seven games against Rangers. <laughs> This is a ridiculous run of form. Jordan White's dad <laughs> posts on follow follow. What's Jordan White trying to prove? He's trying too hard against uh, against the against his whole of his He wants to retain Rob, we've got um, <laughs> sort of Joe John McLaughlin sort of at fault again, <sighs> kind of for a goal here. I, I mean, everyone will be talking about it, so I'm supposed we just have to bring it up. Does does the switching of the goalkeepers do your head in? Because it does do my head in. Um, it does. It does my head in, but you know, you, we've got one of the most, um, one of the finest hubris uh, Rangers fans that have uh, ever been on the podcast on the one today. Spend money on a goalkeeper that's good. Uh. Just do it. Just buy a good goalkeeper. Oh, oh, we've got Griegsy. He's good for half a season. Yeah, and then you've got John McLaughlin, who's like a librarian. Like, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? It's it's just buy a good goalie, but know that. To answer your yeah. question, Tony, that the switching does do my head in. Um, you know, just just play, just play whatever your best goalkeeper is, and keep them in the six every single week. That's it. Mm. I don't think it makes me a dinosaur traditionalist, not wanting <laughs> to see rotating goalkeepers. It's just not right. It's not been done by anyone. I don't know what he's trying to prove with it either. Because we got the game was it was it Dundee United where he, he sort of alluded to it being McGregor's crap. Uh, and dealing with set pieces. That was sort of like when uh, McLaughlin was coming in. But as far as I've seen, McLaughlin looks mm. weaker <laughs> on the... the uh, but maybe well, this is what happens, because McGregor never leaves his line. So McLaughlin yeah. feels when he gets his game, he really, really has to leave his line. And so now this sort of mentality with the both of them is actually just leading to to, to more mistakes, possibly. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that was... I mean, I, I thought the same, and I think you know it's called psychology, but it does feel like that, that... You know, Beale, because Beal mentioned that McLaughlin is better, and he is better at coming for cross balls. And I would have always said that's a real strength in his game. Uh, but and it was always really noticeable because because McGregor never does it, and then McLaughlin would come for a cross, and you'd be like, ah, goalkeepers do do that sometimes. Um, but uh, obviously now it feels like he's trying to come for everything because he knows that's why he's in the team. And uh, you're with disastrous results because he actually missed another couple um, in, in this game that he was he looked really dodgy for that he sort of came for and, and didn't get so as well as the goal. It's 
I mean, the, yeah, the, the problem is, as Rob said, neither of the goalkeepers are good enough. So you're, and, and I think we've got a third one who's injured at the moment, Robbie McCrory, who also isn't good enough. And I think he might even get a wee go at some point if he if he comes back from injury. Why the hell not? Yeah, <laughs> can't be any worse. Um, so it's just, I mean, it's such a point of weakness, and it's you know, Rangers have got you know, two of the, I, I think at the moment, two of the weaker goalkeepers in the league, which is ridiculous and is like a, a real sort of leveler in games where you can end up you know dropping points where you really shouldn't because you've you've just got you know a worse goalkeeper than than your opposition so yeah not not great and that needs that needs uh, resolved and i mean it should have been resolved at, at the very latest last summer and then again in january i, I couldn't really understand why they didn't um try to sign someone and uh, be- this summer it has to happen just before we move on i don't know if any of you have an opinion on this but obviously we've seen a lot of uh danda and, and he looks like a, a really good find for, from ross county in general and he mm. takes a lot of responsibility for the creative ones but uh, the last few times i've seen clips or watched a game or seen him come off the bench latori looks like a really really handy player and would look never doesn't look out of place i don't know if any of you's watched them any of them or, or harbor an opinion on him yet Nah, he, he played well. Um, him, him, and uh, Kenna actually played well also. Um, and uh, you know that that middle of the park was pretty stodgy for strangers to get through. Danda had a bit of a uh, bit more license to to you know cheat a wee bit. I mean, it's quite a bold team actually from Ross County. If you look it at was, it, like, right. you, know, the, the, you know, start start with two strikers, um, and uh, and Danda, uh, you know, and then. That meant the you know Latouri and Kenny were having to do a uh, you know, power of work, but they were getting through it. Um, and they were Kenny was sort of following um, Ryan Jack, uh, Ryan Kent rather everywhere, following Ryan Jack. We wasted time. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he you know he had a really good game, and then Latouri uh, had a wee bit more license to to uh, join the attack. But, but yeah, the the uh, sort of move when um, Simon Murray came on, he he played more sort of. As a as a winger, I would say they sort of switch from you know the start of the sort of four, well, three three four one two. You could probably say uh, with Danda being the one, and then that changed to more sort of a five four one. Um, but it it, it worked, uh, and then you know, it made the uh, Rangers. So that was when um, Rangers brought Kamara on because we we're really struggling to then uh, to play out at that point. So so yeah, it, it was it was a bit of a sort of game of tactical um, cat and mouse and. But uh, I think Mackay can be pretty happy with with that. It, it looks to me like Ross County will probably be okay. Yeah, I think that bit of work they've done in the, tra- in the January goals in the transfer team. window as well. Just think they're yeah. going to be fine. Yeah, um, yeah. Right, let's finish this all up uh, with Sunday's game uh, with St Johnston playing Celtic. Rob, you were a bit hungover. You said, did you, did you see any of this game? Uh, I did, yeah. Um, I'll be honest with you, Tony, it went as I expected it to go. <laughs> when Celtic scoring at least four goals live on the television, Aaron Moy running the show, Kyogo getting on the score sheet, and it's just everything that you could have possibly expected other than David Turnbull affecting a game. Um, so, you know, it, it's... It was everything that drive by and David Turnbull there. I, I, I think that you can still talk about the the huge positives and and you know the fact that this Celtic team is a bit of a runaway train now. To be honest, um, they they just they truly look unstoppable um, at the moment. Aaron Moy, um, it's just looking fantastic. I think you know it's weird looking back now to the 
the eyebrows, some eyebrows that were raised when he was signed. Oh, he's an aging midfielder. He's just one of Ange's mates. You know, he's, he's not going to have the work rate to fit into this high-pressing Celtic team. It shows that people know nothing mm. because he is just waltzing midfield. He's displaced Matt O'Reilly. Um, he's playing alongside Hatate. He's He is now kind of one of the main deep forces for, for Celtic and, and, you know, his goal at the weekend really proved that. I thought it was a, a wonderful move and just such a lovely deft finish dinking it over uh, the Remy Matthews. So, yeah, listen, it's um, it's a very good Celtic team. St Johnston were always going to struggle. St Johnston have been struggling in recent weeks. I think that's uh, uh, what eight losses in the last nine now for St Johnston. Um, so they're finding it tough. But, yeah, Celtic are, Celtic are just a wildly impressive football team. Um, and Scottish Premiership standards, but also just in, in sort of recent memory, uh, I think people are always at pains to try and compare to Brendan Rodgers and, and you know the, the the achievements that he had when he was Celtic manager. I think that's unfair. Um, I, I think we just need to look at this and, and judge this on its own merits. And yeah, right now uh, the only thing I'm I'm keeping in mind as a bit of hope, and I'm sure Ewan probably is as well. Um, is looking at Manchester City and Liverpool down south just now and showing that, ah, right, cool, these amazing teams aren't amazing forever. They can actually just fall off really, really quickly. And I'm sure that well, I thought we were going to talk stage. about them getting financially <laughs> up or something there. <laughs> I'm not getting banned, Celtic. losing a point. They are, they've done a lot with the City group, that Celtic team. Mm. Maybe there's something wrong. So maybe they've done something wrong. I'm not accusing Celtic of financial misgivings, but what I will say is they probably have more conservative and unionist voters in their boardroom than any other team in the country. <laughs> very, very possible. Uh, <clears throat> just going back yes. to, to Moy briefly, I just because uh, you're saying the second goal, but the first goal is basically his goal for all intents and purposes. Mm. He does so well to like hold it up, intelligently wait for Kyogo to go. And then I always feel sorry for these ones because it's not offside, right? And, and I'm not trying to claim it is, but the only reason Considine cuts out the ball is because there's Hatati's in a in an offside position and he thinks he's going to tap it in and he mm. ends up scoring. Uh, so I always feel sorry yeah. for the for the player I, in I, that, that scenario. I would say that Andrew Considine had the option of uh, kicking the ball somewhere other than his own goal. <laughs> I thought that was fairly straightforward. I really thought that through like, you, and that's a very fair point. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. he had a absolute fucking horror show of performance. Andrew <laughs> yeah, Constantine again. That was a uh, that was like a ooh, maybe I should retire type. I thought. I mean, I know he's not he's been decent enough this season, but that was just horrendous, absolutely horrendous. I mean, I think the second goal is his fault as well. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get his feet sorted, and he just like deflects it into uh, uh, Ferrashi's path. And then they obviously get sent off, uh, just getting completely done by by O, um, and uh, which leads to the free kick, which again is horrendously defended by St. Johnson. I mean, how mm-hmm. how can they get so easily fooled by uh, O'Reilly just moving the ball like a yard to, to one side? Like the wall just disintegrates as soon as he does that. Like it was like <laughs> a sort of magic trick. Like what what you did? Uh, Turbo just like hits it through the the wall, which is no longer a wall. Yeah, because um, once you get to that scenario, so, uh, yeah. then that's like that's Turnbull's bread and butter. Then it's just a direct shot on goal, <laughs> unopposed from twenty yards. You, he's going to score that most likely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I mean, it wasn't that hard. It was just hitting the ball 
you know, on target basically through uh, a loosely collected bunch of players. Um, so yeah, I, I, you could uh, add some frustrations with St. John's performance, um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Trey Wright trying to get back in my good books is is not going to work. I, I still don't forgive him for pretending to be hurt by a ball hitting his ankle uh, and cost and mean Celtic scored a last minute winner uh, in the the previous game at Madera Park. Um, so he can score thirty yarders all he wants. Uh, that's that's not going to convince me. Um, but uh, I just uh, Celtic just squished it, and and if a team defends as badly as that against Celtic, then that's I'm afraid that's what's going to happen. I, there was there was never. I didn't even think Celtic were were anywhere near their best. They were just. But when they got in the last third, they just turned it on, and they were really sharp. So whenever the mm. errors came from St Johnston, they were they were all over it. And that the second goal, the Kyogo goal, it's just so like him. It's just like the most like. I feel like I've seen that goal from him so many times, but it's so sharp, and it's either a one-touch finish, or yeah. it's like it's all—it's all just over in a flash before you even realise kind of what's happened. He's roofing it with a ball. He's just the sharpest striker around, uh, and just looks like an absolute mm. nightmare to play against. But so Johnston will move on. They've got to get better, but there's probably enough shit teams in this league that it doesn't matter again. Um, and Celtic will win the league, yeah. so. Let's just move on. Let's just pack up. Let's just go home, lads. Um, so thank you very much for listening, everyone. We, uh, we're we going to go over to Patreon, as I said earlier, to talk about the most wild goals we've seen in the flesh uh, due to the inspiration from Stephen Humphrey's goal at Tynecastle. Um, Ewan, thanks for joining us. Say goodbye. Goodbye. And Robert, same to you. Thanks very much for joining us. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Podcast Network.